Did you know that a 13-year-old boy saved 17 lives during Hurricane Harvey? Or that a five-year-old child led a group of toddlers to safety after Hurricane Katrina? Do you realize that a third-grade girl sewed over a thousand blankets for people who needed them? Young people are doing amazing things all the time. Instead of thinking they need to wait until they're older, they're jumping into action now as if to say, I can't wait. My guest today is Dr. Tim Elmore. He's the author of I Can't Wait. This book includes 52 stories of kids who changed their world. You can read these stories together with your kids. Dr. Elmore is the founder and CEO of Growing Leaders, an Atlanta-based nonprofit organization encouraging and equipping emerging leaders. He has published over 35 books and has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and has been featured on Fox News and Fox and Friends. He and his wife, Pam, have two adult children and live outside of Atlanta. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Dr. Tim, what inspired you to write, I Can't Wait?, And is this book strictly for children? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I actually think I got inspired as I dug up and found these stories, both about kids that are alive today, but then also kids down through history. I did not realize that Isaac Newton, for instance, was a college student when he discovered the law of gravity. We always think he was some 55-year-old man, you know, but um, kids are doing amazing things. They don't yet have the confinements that we adult brains have. And so it's been so fun to not only dig up these stories, but see families and teachers use them just to inspire kids. So I have worked for Kids K since, oh my gosh, since 1979. So over 40 years now. And uh, I am more encouraged today than ever before. And I think we need to stop the negative narrative that we have going on in our minds. You know, kids today, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing and realize they could do something amazing if we could lead them well. Absolutely. So is this book strictly for children then? Well, I really designed it for families. So mom and dad, maybe around a dinner table that, you know, got past the, how was school today? Fine. What'd you learn? Nothing. You know, <laughs> that, that typically is our dinner conversation. Yeah. Or Sunday school, you know, how, what'd you learn about Moses? You know, and that's about as far as it goes. So um, I was picturing uh, to do what my wife and I did with our kids when they were younger, one time a week, maybe this is a dinner reading, it's a one-page story about Virgil or Kay or whatever, and then there's discussion questions at the end of each chapter, and then I decided to put a link in where you could go to the link and watch a three-minute video about this kid, uh, Virgil or whatever. So my hope is that it begins to plant inspiration and vision into the minds of kids, but also their teacher, their mom and dad, et cetera, et cetera, to to lead them better. Yeah. Wonderful. That is exactly the type of thing we want our families to do, to talk together. And sometimes they need that little spark of something to read and discuss together. Yeah. 
that helps. Yeah, no doubt about it. So in light of your years of experience in developing and equipping leaders, how would you say the current generation of children differs from previous generations? Well, there's good news and bad news. Um, Most of us can look around culture and see that kids are very, very, well, they're growing up in a different world today. I think that's safe to say. Um, Today, they grew up not just with a cell phone, but with a smartphone, which has been a game changer. So I believe the world dramatically changed for kids when the screens in our life went from public to private. Mm. So when I was growing up, we had one screen in our house. It was a television, you know. In fact, in my house, Kay, it was a black and white TV, you know, that sort of thing. But we all gathered around, we watched a show together, we laughed together, we talked about it together. We were together. Fast forward to today, uh, parents might have a teenager and they know she's got an Instagram account. They have no idea she has six Finsta accounts, fake Instagram, where she's developed personas for her life and is talking to Lord knows who. So we have a distinct silo effect going on where mom and dad live in a very different world than their teenagers or their elementary school kids. And the, the gap just keeps getting wider. So I felt like we needed a tool to bring them together and to start bedtime conversations or mealtime conversations where now we're on the same page, not on a different page. Mm-hmm. So that's my goal. That's wonderful. And it's so true <laughs> what you said. Uh, we used uh-huh. to think TV was bad, yes, but yes. Uh, what now with the screens and the number of hours that children are sometimes on those by themselves, it's a challenging thing to deal with for parents for teachers, for everybody. So thank you for uh, thinking of doing something that can help people work together. Well, Kay, you're you're absolutely right. I think if the average person isn't staying up on the kinds of things that we stay up on, the average teenager in America, number one, spends, if they're on social media, spends the same amount of time on their phone as a full-time job. So seven to eight hours a day. And while it's not all bad content, it's just overwhelming. So catch this, the average adolescent in the U.S. today experiences the same level of anxiety as a psych patient did in the 1950s. Whoa. It's, it's just incredible. So it, again, it's not all bad news, it's, mm-hmm. but it's just too much. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think part of the goal is we've got to simplify and create margins and create time for story that we're enjoying together. And again, going back, that's my goal is to create those conversations. Wonderful. So uh, who are some of the young people we meet in this book? You've already mentioned at least one, but tell us a little bit more. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier Virgil Smith uh, was an eighth grader when I first heard about him just a few years ago. He went through Hurricane Harvey like most of the people in the greater Houston area. But when, when he first felt the water gushing into his apartment, he didn't wait for an adult to do something. He didn't wait for permission from an adult to do something. He grabbed his phone, of course he did, and then he grabbed his mother and his older sister, and he ran them upstairs to the second floor of the apartment complex he was in. And that in itself, Kay, to me, would be an act of heroism, but it didn't stop there. When he gets upstairs, he gets a call from one of his friends, Kashan, who also was in the apartment complex, but was experiencing the flooding waters from Hurricane Harvey and said, Virg, we're, we're drowning over here. We need help. Well, once again, Virgil kicks into action. 
he runs right back downstairs into the apartment complex that he was in, grabs the air mattress that he slept on at night, and he uses it as a raft. And he paddles over to Kashan's apartment to save Kashan and his family. But it didn't stop there. This is a true story. Well, as he was paddling back and forth, you can imagine, he hears the cries for help from other people that live in this apartment complex. Virgil Smith, at 13 years old, spent hours that night paddling back and forth, saving lives. According to the police report the next day, Virgil Smith saved 17 lives that night. And he won some award from the mayor, and his mother was praised for raising such a fine, brave young man. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, people need to hear about this. Yes. So it's just a gathering of stories like that. By the way, some of the stories, Kay, are famous people, like Jim Henson, mm-hmm. who plays with his socks when he was a kid. <laughs> I saw that. I loved reading that. I'm like, oh, and his parents finally just let him play with what he wanted to play with, and look what happened as as he got older. Yeah, they fostered the strength and the gift that was inside of us. Yes, It was so encouraging. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure you'll share a few more uh, stories of the many youth, all the way up to, they're very young, all the way up to in their early 20s, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So 5 to 21 years old uh, is the age span of these, these young people. Super. So how do you decide which young adults to feature, and what do they share in common? Ah, well, it wasn't an easy choice because I gathered hundreds, and so I'm working on volume two now (laughs) just because I don't want parents to go without a a tool that they can use uh, in their home or teachers in a classroom. Mm -hmm. But I tell you how I I made my decision. I wanted to gather stories of kids who solve problems and serve people. Those are the two terms I went, they solve problems and they serve people. I actually believe that's the best and most simplest definition of a leader. Isn't it true? When you find somebody that solves problems and serves people, we want to put them in a leadership position somewhere. (laughs) So I I think about school principals, and, and I talk to them all the time. We partner with schools in our work. And I think, would you like to graduate some middle school kids or high school kids who know how to solve problems and serve people? And they go, yeah. So um, all of these stories have that one thing in common, that, that kind of that thread, solving problems and serving people. That's wonderful. So why do you feature questions at the end of each short chapter? Well, I remember when my kids were younger, it, the conversation started growing distant only because they were living in such a different world than the adults were living in, you know, just like today. So I thought, what if I provided some questions? So that a dad or a mom or or a guardian or a grandmother, for that matter, would have at least a starter. You know, their starter questions like, why do you think Virgil thought he could do this? Or, you know, that that sort of thing. So their whys and hows and those kinds of questions. They're not they're open ended questions rather than Good. you know, yes or no questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um I just felt like I could have used that as a younger dad. And um and then the video that you can watch together, well, Kids today are screenagers. You know, they they love screens with videos and pictures and photos. So um, that's that's the extra little piece that we decided to add just to make it. You know, if a kid wasn't a reader or didn't like reading quite as much, they could still get the story from the short videos. Great, great, great. So, why are young people the perfect age to develop into leaders? Well, if you stop and think, and I know you have, Kay. Thanks for this conversation. Um, first of all. 
they, uh, as we get older, everybody knows this, but as we get older, we kind of get stuck in our ways. If I, if I could be permitted to say that, um, I think people develop like wet cement. The neural pathways in our brain are very plastic. The plasticity is very high when we're younger. You know, we're open to change. We're open to new, new languages, learning new things. As we get older, we, we don't learn quite as quick. We're not quite as adaptable. And quite frankly, it may take a jackhammer to change our minds, just like, <laughs> just like cement. Mm-hmm. So I felt like we've got to inspire kids under 25. Certainly, we all want inspiration. But under 25, to think when they hear this story, I could do that. I could learn to sew, or I could learn to do this or that or the other. And that's my goal. So uh, I mentioned Isaac Newton earlier. Isaac Newton actually went through a pandemic. So kids that are middle school, high school are going to go, I remember going through a pandemic. Mm -hmm. But get this, the colleges in England where he lived sent their kids home in their own version of social distancing. They didn't want this thing to go further. So when Isaac Newton gets sent home from the university, he's a college student, he starts thinking, wait a minute, I got some free time now. I don't have to do what my professors told me to do. I can do whatever I want. And he started working on a theory he developed as a young student. And that subject later became the subject we today call calculus. Hmm. We might not even have calculus had he not had some free time on his hands. Oh. To develop this new math course. Now, some would say that was a curse, not a blessing, but that's a whole other <laughs> yeah, issue that, for another right. day. That's right, yes. Yeah, but during this quarantine, he came up with a, the laws of optics, which we still use to this day. And as I mentioned earlier, he looked outside his window, saw this apple fall, and according to his assistant later who told the story, that's when he came up with the, the law of gravity. And he later returned to school and shared it with his professors. Within one year, he became a fellow, and within another year, he became a full-on professor. So I'm just thinking, Mm. if kids can hear these stories rather than just, you know, somebody got tossed in prison or somebody, you know, has mental health issues or somebody did this or that, I think we may change the narrative in a new generation, and that's my hope uh, in the end. That's wonderful. I want to just share some announcements, and then we'll come back to continue talking to Tim Elmore about his book, I Can't Wait. Family Shield Ministries is composed of Christians who care about families and the gospel, transforming lives now and for eternity. The Family Shield radio program is aired weekly on 50 stations throughout the United States, and the podcast is heard on many podcast platforms. Family Shield also coordinates educational and outreach services. This now includes Faith Family Reunion that serves parents with prodigals. Family Shield Ministries is self-supporting and a listener-funded ministry. We depend upon your prayers, support, generosity, and sacrifice to allow us to share the gospel with those who do not know him and equip Christians to serve and witness. Please pray for us, mail a donation, or give a one-time gift or a monthly gift on our website, www.familyshieldministries.org. So now I want to continue talking with Dr. Tim Elmore. Where can our listeners learn more about your book, I Can't Wait? Yeah, well, a couple of places. Um, One, you can certainly go to Amazon and get it. But um, the place we'd like to direct people, because there's all kinds of other um, 
freebies there is I can't wait book dot com. I can't wait book dot com. And there's no apostrophe in can't. So um, that's a quick way to go, uh, easy way to find it. And again, my hope is it just makes conversing with kids organic and natural, because don't we all love stories, old or young? We love stories, and that's what this book is full of. It's great, great inspirational stories. Wonderful. Thank you. And we always uh, share with our listeners, anyone that emails us or ask us a question, we'll make sure we get that to them as well. So how can parents and adults use this book to motivate young people to harness their creativity? Because you mentioned something earlier about creativity, and I think it begins very high with children, and it seems to go away over the years, maybe because it's stifled, or I don't know why, but I think a a creative child uh, has been given time to be creative. You can't just keep them busy, 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 doing work, work, work. You have to give them time to be creative and play and create people out of socks. <laughs> so That's tell, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what I think has happened. Um, as I read the research uh, from Boston University and other places, children's lives today are more structured than ever before in my lifetime. And we meant well, we adults, when we did that. We thought we need to plan out every moment of the day. There's soccer practice, and there's getting ready for the SATs in high school, and there's this, you know, don't forget your backpack. Don't. And so in our structuring of their days, they do have less time for, you know, free time for with margin to just create. I mean, we, I told my kids, go outside, pick up a stick, and make up a game. You know, that's, that's <laughs> what we need to do. But um, today, our well-intentioned efforts are structured in their lives, which actually diminishes creativity. So I believe when I start hearing a child say, or even a teen say, oh, I'm just not creative, I'm just not creative, I say, oh, no, 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 you are. First of all, You're designed by a creator who puts himself in you. But secondly, think about it, Kay. Creativity is very often taking two existing ideas and creating a third, which is completely new. So think about, for just a moment, the story we all know about the Wright brothers. We all know the Wright brothers were the first two guys that actually invented the airplane. But you know what? I think it was a combination of two things they were really into. For months and months and months, Orville and Wilbur Wright had been studying birds and the wings of birds and how it gave them flight. And they studied and studied and studied the flight of birds. As a job, they had a bicycle shop, and they fixed and repaired and created bicycles. If you stop and think about it, when you look at photographs of that very first airplane, it looks like a flying bicycle. I mean, it's got the wings of a bird and the wheels of a bike. They simply put two existing ideas together and created an entirely new industry. Uh, Johann Gutenberg, the inventor of the printing press, he worked in a wine press and thought, what if we press words, not wine? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad he did. We now have books. So I think what we need to do is foster creativity by saying, you are creative, Josh or Jessica. You just don't know it yet. And what if you combined a couple of unrelated ideas created a third, and see what might happen. So I really believe this tool, this book, could be the the spark for some new creativity that we need in the future as they become adults. We do. That is fantastic. So how can parents and caregivers support young people in fulfilling their potential? Well, 
I actually believe that, first of all, every child has leadership potential inside. Now, I'm not saying positional leadership. They're not all going to be the CEO or the president or the chairman of some organization, but they have influence. And that's essentially what leadership is, the ability to influence by solving problems and serving people. So some kids are gifted to lead. You know, they're the natural leaders. And I think we owe it to them to kind of pull them aside and say, hey, Jessica, you have been given a gift to lead. You need to steward that gift. You know, we need to challenge them to be the right kind of thermostat to influence others for good, not bad. But you know what? I think other kids are not gifted to lead, but they're situated to lead. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I think the world is full of two kinds of leaders, and every one of us fit into one of these two kinds. We're either habitual leaders or situational leaders. Now, the habitual leaders are the ones that lead out of habit. You know, whatever group they're in, whatever team they're on, they tend to take over. I worked for John Maxwell for years and years. John is a gifted leader. I think he came out of the womb telling the nurses and doctors <laughs> what to do in the, opera, in, the, in, the, in the maternity ward. But I think that's probably 10% of the population. I think the other 90% of us, and I'm one of these, are situational leaders. We're the ones that would look in the mirror in the morning and go, I'm not a great leader, but put me in the right situation, one that matches my gifts, my passions, my strengths. In that one zone, I have influence. I have intuition. I'm confident. I'm comfortable. I think the job of adults is to help our kids find their God-given situation. Haven't you ever seen a kid, maybe, I don't know, I'm making this up, but maybe a kid in middle school that is a wallflower, never says a word, but then you put him on the soundboard in the, you know, in the auditorium and suddenly he comes alive. Yeah. It's like, what happened to him? Uh-huh. Well, he found his situation. So I think there is God-given potential in every single child. I don't think God would have made him if there wasn't this kind of potential. But far too often we put him in a, you know, in a pigeonhole or a box or a lane, and they end up, like you just said earlier, they don't get out of that box to, to creativity. And I think they fall way short. They're not bad kids. They just fall way short of what's inside of them. So what do they need? Stories. They need stories that spark a little bit of vision to get out of the box and into maybe that situation they were designed to play. Yeah. And parents need to take the time to do this. Yeah. You know, they absolutely. they feel like they're too busy and they have things to do on social media. Yep. But those yep. children need your time and attention uh, and not just, oh, I'm too busy to do that. Yeah. So I just say to the parents, take the time and and prayerfully consider how important it could be. Maybe even just one of these stories could could really have an impact on yeah. your child so that they want to do something special too. Kay, you're absolutely right. In fact, some of the saddest moments for me is when we lead focus groups of young kids, like say 11, 12, 13 years old. And the kids tell us in these focus groups, I never talked to my mom. And I would say, you never talked to your mom. What do you mean? Well, I get home from school. She's lying in her bed on Facebook, blah, 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 blah. You know, and then when she's cooking, she's on her phone, looking at the phone, scrolling through social media, cooking. And the kid goes, I want to talk to my mom. She doesn't have time. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, mama, what is wrong? You've got a little window of time here. Take advantage of it. You have plenty of time for Facebook when they're 23 and they're out of the house. And, and now you're looking for them, you know, to be free. Right. So 
I know you believe this, Kay, but you're absolutely right when you say we have got to seize these moments. Yes. And maybe a story like this could spark a conversation. Who knows how it might change the trajectory of their life by just taking a moment and seizing it. So what else do you want our listeners to know about this book and your work? Well, um, we, Growing Leaders, is the nonprofit, as you mentioned, that I lead. We partner with schools and church youth groups and clubs, and we've created something that also sparks conversation called Habitudes. Habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes. So we work with schools where they can teach social and emotional learning through the power of a picture. And every picture represents a timeless principle that we all need to know. And, but because it's a picture, it's, it's attractive. Stories and metaphors. We, we say we like to use narrophores. That's not a real word. <laughs> it's narratives and metaphors together. So here's an image and then here's a story. And we just believe that sticks in their head. So we've been doing this for 20 years now, and 2.8 million kids have gone through these habitudes. And so these stories, and I Can't Wait, are meant to just collaborate with these images to really help kids become the leader we think they were created to be. So yeah, um, growingleaders.com is the website. There's all kinds of stuff there, uh, some free. You could get free eBooks there, but also look at habitudes as well. Um, in fact, we work with many Lutheran schools, um, public schools. It's so fun, Kay, to share these biblical insights with public schools, and they all know they need them. But, you know, in the public schools, we don't have scripture verse, but we just have the principle, kind of like Jesus taught parables. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just a story there, a conversation with his disciples. That's exactly what we're trying to do today. Wonderful. Any other topic that you want to tell our listeners? Well, let me, let me paint a picture for listeners. As I look at human history and I look at the generations that have come through, even in the 20th century, have you ever stopped to think the strongest generations of our past were the ones that grew up in very difficult times? Think about the Great Depression. Think about World War II. My parents grew up during the Great Depression, World War II. They turned out to be such a strong generation. So here's my thought. Hard times cultivate strong generations. Strong generations cultivate good times. Unfortunately, good times cultivate weak generations, Mm -hmm. which in turn lead to hard times. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a cycle. So I'm saying moms and dads, teachers listening, what if we took this hard time we're in right now and said, let's make this like a fitness center, a spiritual fitness center, where we didn't say they're just victims of these hard times we're in, but we said, Let's use this like it's lifting weights. Let's tell stories. Let's create a new narrative in their head. So that would be what I would leave the listeners with. Let's make sure we treat this as the best time of their lives to get ready for the future. Thank you so much. Again, my guest has been Tim Elmore. And the book we've been talking about, I Can't Wait, 52 Stories of Kids Who Changed Their World that you can read together. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield Ministries. And if you want to learn more about Family Shield, go to our website, www.familyshieldministries.org. Thanks for listening. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. 
To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Thank you.